1: DIY and Howe Studios presents Deeper Digs in Rock Part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project Music Culture Technology And Rock and Roll Now, on with the show Hello diggers and welcome to another edition of Deeper Digs
2: in Rock, a production of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Podcast. I'm Christian Swain and I am Behind the Mic in San Francisco. As the name suggests in Deeper Digs, we dig a little deeper, go a little further with our exploration of diverse topics that all tie in with rock and roll. Just a quick reminder that we live on the internet. We really do. We're like there all the time. Seriously. Please come and keep us company at rockandrollarchaeology.com. Podcast show notes, social media links, and our personal favorite, the donate link. It's all right there. Please stop by soon. Don't wait until that deal goes down. guest is Ms. Rachel Klein, the talented director and choreographer of something that sounded really promising to us, an off-Broadway production called Red Rose's Green Gold. So when I was in New York recently, we looked her up. Red Rose's Green Gold opened October 30th, 2017 at the Minetta Theater in Greenwich Village, New York City. And we were happy to learn that It's been extended already and will run through at least January 7th, 2018. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster and at the show's website. We'll link to all that in the show notes. Red Rose's Green Gold is what's called a jukebox musical that features the songs of Jerry Garcia and Robert Hunter. The songs are mostly pulled from two early 70s Grateful Dead albums, Working Man's Dead and American Beauty. Good choices. These are probably the best studio albums The Dead ever recorded. The key tracks are way more than just rock and pop tunes. From the space boogie of trucking, to the elegiac ripple, to the hippie anthem Uncle John's band. They are cultural touchstones, worthy additions to the great American songbook. Americana, in the best sense of the term. Rachel is the director and choreographer. The book is by Michael Norman Mann, and the musical director is Jeff Cimenti of the current incarnation, Dead & Company. This was a fun interview, so let's get to it. Let's meet Rachel Klein and learn some more about Red Rose's Green Gold. Oh Hello, Rachel Klein. Welcome to Deeper Digs in Rock. Uh, So, are you ready to talk some rock and roll, Broadway theater, and Grateful Dead today?
3: I am ready to talk about all of those three things.
2: Well, good. Those are the three things that we will focus on. So, first, let's get your background in theater. So, I I know you've done a couple of interesting productions. Anthem, Around the World in 80 Days. And then the Gay Bride of Frankenstein really struck a chord with me. I'd love to have seen that. So, you've been doing this for a while, huh? (laughs)
3: I have. I knew at a very young age that I wanted to be a theater director and I directed my first show when I was 17. Um, it was a play that a friend of mine, Benjamin Sparrow, wrote called Normal and it was very Tim Burton meets David Lynch, oh, I, I guess. Like that. Um, it was a lot of fun um, and I've been living in New York for the past 12 years and I work all over the place. So I've done Three specific shows you just mentioned have been more in the commercial off-Broadway realm. Uh huh. But I also work a lot downtown and do a lot of experimental theater. Specifically, I've been doing rock musicals for a while now. Oh, that's really? That's something that uh, I, I feel really drawn to. Oh, my gosh.
2: That's, uh, uh, that's right up our alley here at the uh, Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Sure. So, uh, you know, I was just in New York a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, we couldn't work out so that I could come and see the show. So I'm a little blind, but you're going to explain everything to me. But I did get a chance to go and see Sleep No More. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that.
3: Oh, yeah. I saw Sleep No More, I think, within the first two weeks that it was in New York City.
2: Yeah, very, very interesting uh, piece of work there. So, All right, so now, this is not the first time that book writer Michael Norman Mann has gone walking into the Grateful Dead catalog. I believe he did Cumberland Blues in 1998, Shakedown Street in 2005, where he's used the music of Robert Hunter and Jerry Garcia. But the third time's the charm, right?
3: Exactly. Well, it's because the third time, he got to work with me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding (laughs) Uh, Michael is he's a straight up deadhead I've never met somebody with so much drive to take this specific catalog and put it to life and create characters that don't exist in the dead sphere if you will and turn them into characters on stage well, um, he's, I, he's got a real knack for that and you know i mean my first time meeting him he's wearing a spiral tie-dye with skull in the middle and i was like all right all right i see you i <laughs> but- I, believe,
2: I believe he is from the bay area which is where the grateful dead originally hail and uh he probably fell in love with them when he was a, a young man and has continued to uh, stay in the rabbit hole
1: if you will
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, during previews, um, the entire creative team watches the show every night and we take notes. And so, you know, I'm sitting there with my music director, Anzie Peterson, and our music supervisor, Jeff Comencey, and the three of us have our notepads out and we're, you know, being very meticulous. And then there's Michael, who's just dancing. He's just dancing the whole time. I mean, he loves it. Wow.
2: That's very cool. That's very cool. So now, this is also produced by Gigi Pritzker of MWM Live, which produced the excellent Million Dollar Quartet, and I think our diggers are familiar with that production.
3: Our co-producers are Gigi Pritzker and Ted Rollins, and they are just two of the most incredible people. I'm not just saying that because I know they'll listen to this. (laughs) I'm saying that because just, wow. Uh I know the moment that I met them, Mm -hmm. I another the reason I wanted to work on this show so badly was because of their energy. They're easy to work with. They're just nice people, which you you know don't not to knock my own community, but you don't always have that in a producer, and they're just incredible.
2: Oh, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. Well, there's a lot of love that goes in with any Grateful Dead production, so I can imagine it's the same here. So, all right. Red Roses, Green Gold, written by Mr. Mann, choreographed and directed by yourself. So tell our diggers a little bit about the show. What what should the audience expect before going in? And, you know, give us a story synopsis, if you will.
3: Sure. Well, I think the most important thing to expect going in is that this is a truly original story. This is not a show that takes place in Haight-Ashbury. It's not biographical in any way about the band. hmm um, it is like I like to think of it sort of as the characters in the story itself sort of could exist inside of a Robert Hunter song, especially stuff from Working Man's Dead and uh, American Beauty, which is you know heavily what the catalog to the show is. Mm-hmm. There's so many songs that are character specific that are about a person, sort of told as a folk tale. So the plot of Red Roses, Green Gold, sort of feels like it could be a Robert Hunter song. With the characters and their plights and what they go through.
2: Yeah, so the show the show um, uh, centers around. Is it the 1920s? Is that right?
3: Yeah, it's the ambiguous 1920s.
2: The ambiguous 1920s. <laughs> yeah. So.
3: the The approach through a design perspective was informed by the fact that for the sound we needed. I mean, there's electric guitars. You don't have Fender guitars in 1920s Appalachia. So we're sort of using the 20s, like the 20s through the lens. Mm -hmm. of the early 70s is kind of the approach.
2: Okay, all right, all right. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, the, the Hunter Garcia tunes, especially in that 1970 period where those two albums uh, are released, uh, uh, Working Man's Dead and uh, American Beauty, There, there is definitely that true Americana feel, which could invoke any period of time in, in, in you know, our short American history here. So I think Absolutely. that's what you guys are, are finding with those songs. There, You can easily mine a setting that is outside of, uh, you know, the original scope of uh, the late 60s uh, psychedelia in San Francisco, which a lot of people just assume is, you know, the Grateful Dead's palette. But it it actually, it's way beyond that.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And and that's completely reflected in not just the music specifically, but also in the music arrangements. Mm -hmm. So we've got a sliding scale of electric instruments and acoustic instruments. So some songs you'll have fiddle and upright bass. Some songs you'll have electric bass to get that really cool Grateful Dead style groove that people love so much that sounds so specific. And sometimes you have a mix and match of both sorts of electric versus acoustic instrumentation. And there's a lot of banjo in some of the songs, which also is informed a lot of decisions from a style perspective that, yeah, ambiguous Americana. The location of the show changed several times as we were developing it. You know, is it Cumberland, Maryland? Is it Cumberland Gap? And sort of where we landed was Cumberland, USA. So just generally speaking, Americana richness window into the past.
2: Well I'm gonna assume that Cumberland Blues is a song used in the show then.
3: I think you can assume correctly.
2: Right, right. So now I believe there's eight actors in the uh, in the production and are, are all, all of them musicians?
3: Every single one of them. They are multiplayers. So what we're doing here Uh, The music team and I sat down and actually discussed this a few weeks ago. What we're doing is something that nobody has ever done before. A lot of shows, it's a really hot thing right now to have actors playing instruments, which is fabulous. And usually they play an instrument or maybe two instruments if we're lucky. And there's usually a pit band to also help support that. With our show, there is no pit band. All the songs are played by all eight people who are on stage.
2: Oh, wow. And some
3: of them... I mean, some of them play up to like 12 instruments a pop, but I think the most in the show, we have a couple players that go up to eight instruments in our show.
2: Wow, that's crazy. So how many of them were familiar with the uh, the Grateful Dead Garcia Hunter material?
3: About half. They're all familiar with it now. But...
2: <laughs> Let's hope so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Which were the most surprised?
3: I think all of them. Actually, the, the people that um, knew the material were the most surprised when you know it was really cool that they got to work with Jeff so closely. I'm sure your listeners know but Jeff Comenti is the keyboard player for Dead and Co and Rat Dog and all kinds of other bands. Um, and he helped us to make sure that any musical changes were 100% in line with what the creators of the songs would Support, But that being said, just the way that we bring it to life theatrically sounds very different than the studio tracks. So that was a surprise for the people that knew the music. They're like, oh, we're doing this with the song? How cool, how interesting. Mm,
0: uh
3: uh And those little changes are really, really, they're great, because that's also what the band's audience loves so much about seeing the band themselves live. Is that they sound completely different live than they do on the studio tracks? So we were trying to honor that tradition as well.
2: Yes. So uh, of course, Dead uh, Dead and Companies, Jeff Gamenti, uh, uh, who's actually been in one form or another, uh, uh, along with the ride, the long strange trip, as we like to say, uh, for about twenty years now, did the uh, arrangements for the uh, and music supervision for the for the production. So did he help beyond uh, beyond that? I mean, wh- maybe a story or two of Where uh, he made uh, a contribution that was beyond what uh, you guys originally considered uh, you would get from him?
3: Sure. I mean, he was in the room the entire time. Uh, Music supervisor isn't always in the rehearsal room. Mm -hmm. They usually pop by from time to time to oversee, but it's the music director who leads the room. And in this case, that was absolutely true in that the music director led the room. Andy Peterson is an incredible music director and arranger, and he comes to us from the musical theater world. So the two gents sort of got together, and they're like, okay, so this is musical theater. Great. So this is rock and roll, bluegrass, jam, music. Great. Let's meet in the middle. But, yeah, as I said before, Jeff stayed in the rehearsal room. So he heard everything as it was coming together, which was really special.
2: Every to night, have,
3: yeah. Yeah, to have somebody pay that close attention to detail. And one of the things... One of, the, one of the contributions he made is in certain songs that are very beloved, we had to do a couple of switcharounds of which actor was playing which instrument. Because as you'll see when you see the show, they switch so frequently. But every musician has their, their principal instrument that they play, their first instrument. And some of them, he was just like, all right, we got to do a quick switcheroo here because I need the lead guitarist on guitar to hit this very specific Jerry Garcia lick. Uh, and i yeah, need the bass yeah. player the
2: iconic pieces I, right
3: exactly it's mm-hmm. like i need the bass players to switch because currently we have like the phil lish bass lick on piano and although that's cool it's no longer working we have to just get some of these things streamlined down to be more accurate as to what the fans are expecting to hear so that was that was something that he definitely provided for us and it was a really great gift to have him there because to my ear i'm like i don't know the difference until. It's set in place, and then I'm like, "Oh God, that's completely different." Of course. Mm.
2: Very. So, how familiar were you with the Grateful Dead before this production?
3: I grew up with the Grateful Dead. Oh, you. My, have. Oh yes, my parents and my brother are, are major Deadheads. They. Had such a great time at opening night, and they were so thrilled that they got to meet Jeff. I personally am more of a glam-slash-punk gal myself, usually, oh. but this production definitely... I have touch of gray in my head right now as I'm
2: talking to <laughs> you. <laughs> well, you're going to get the special seat at Thanksgiving dinner this year, huh?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the special oh, yeah. piece of turkey, right, right, exactly. right. Exactly. Right. So, have you seen them live? I
3: have. I um, have. I hadn't seen them live before coming on to this project. Um, Gigi Pritzker, the producer, actually flew me out to Chicago to the Dead & Co. show, the final one at mm -hmm. Rigby Field this year, which was so much fun. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And that's when I got to meet Jeff for the first time in person. We hung out backstage. Um, His lovely wife, Moy, took me to the sound booth to watch the second half of the show. And that was such an informative experience because I got to see – how all the tech crew was working because those guys are working their butts off in there. But also I could see the band at the same time as seeing all the fans dancing their faces off, loving the music. And it, it was just so incredible.
2: Yeah, the a, a Grateful Dead show is uh, is a unique experience. And um, and it still has a lot of charm uh, that, you know, people remember from the 60s, 70s, and, and even the 80s uh, before uh, Jerry Garcia passed. And, uh, you know, I think the, this new incarnation, uh, you know, is getting a lot of really good reviews, which... I want to point out that in, you know, if you know The Well, uh, you know, it's a, a way of talking about the, the Grateful Dead community online. Um, you guys are getting some uh, really good uh, reviews from Deadheads.
3: I have seen that, and that's extraordinary. That means we've done this right. We were, you know, with the theater audiences, we're like, okay, jukebox musicals, people either love them or they hate them, and there's nothing we can do about that. It's <laughs> right, just, right, it right, is right. what it is. Yeah. But because this particular music... Is so beloved to the fan base, we really tried to make sure that it would be done in a way that they would appreciate it. So, seeing that feedback is just so rewarding because that was our biggest concern going into this to make sure that it was represented in a way that felt authentic and supported what the fans would want to hear. We didn't want to over commercialize it, we didn't want to mess with the tempos too much or change anything from from what they want to hear. You know, in a large part, the show is for them.
2: Right. So a little easy on the jazz hands, right?
3: A little easy on the jazz hands. You know, I try to tell the actors, save it for backstage. (laughs) When you're on stage, you're a rock star. When you're off stage, you know, jazz hands for days. Right,
2: right, right. (laughs) So, okay, so what was the hardest sequence and song you all had to work on in the show?
3: I don't want to give anything away, um, but I I will say there is one sequence that, is a card game where the performers are playing cards and it's very high stakes. That already is tough to stage because like in a movie, you can cross-cut and edit everybody's faces and make it just look more dynamic than it is. But if you're actually watching a card game, it's really quite boring. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So already to make that look interesting on top of having them play their instruments while they're dealing and shuffling cards. So that was... And I'll just tell you, spoiler, the song is deal. It's deal. Oh, that's the song yes, where, of course. but that was the absolute hardest thing to stage. It's like all the nuance and the simplicity in that particular song with what needs to happen musically and what needed to happen visually to tell the story. Mm. But we did it, and it's actually it's a really charming piece. it's it's really I'm very proud of the way that all came together.
2: So um have you been dreaming in Grateful Dead during rehearsals?
3: Have I been dreaming in Grateful Dead? <laughs> I believe so. I mean, the music doesn't leave my head. I, you know, anytime before a show, I see people who are very clearly Grateful Dead fans in line to get in. It just warms my heart so much. And yeah, I mean, I haven't been having any psychedelic dreams or anything, if that's what you're asking. But, now,
2: well, um, who knows? It could be anything. So It could be
3: anything. Could do, be anything.
2: Uh, are, it, now, is it, is, it, is it true that there's a section that you can buy to actually dance in?
3: I believe that is still the case, yes. We are experimenting with where that section goes. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want people to feel inhibited. Well, obviously so it's even wherever if you're
2: Michael Norman man is. That's Absolutely. Subject, wherever right? Michael
3: Norman man is is the <laughs> dancing section. Let's not forget wherever our producers are. Whenever Ted and Gigi are in the house, there's dancing to be had as well. Oh,
2: are they big deadheads as well?
3: Ted was not was not I think it's safe to say he is now um, <laughs> yeah G- they,
2: they we, we get you all in one way or another
3: it's know? right that's right <laughs> but uh, Gigi has been her whole life and oh, really? watching Gigi's reaction at the Dead and Co Show was amazing she's a very regal esteemed woman and then you put her in a dead show and <laughs> bam she is twirling her for her dreams it's amazing really?
2: oh, oh wow. yeah oh yeah wow. That is uh, some that is some interesting uh, underground theater uh, information here. So uh, we appreciate that, Rachel. Right, that's right. World, (laughs) about to use that for the next production, won't we?
3: Exactly. Gigi Presker is a huge deadhead. Everybody.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. So now you're you're open. You know how have audience reacted uh, in the theater?
3: Really well. I mean, it's a very high energy show mm-hmm. and audience members are cheering, they're singing along, they're swaying. We had a couple a few nights ago that during um, one of the slower songs started weeping and like got up and were slow dancing together. I mean, the emotional impact of some of the songs is really incredible to watch. But the energy, the way the cast can get the audience involved with relative ease on some of these Big band numbers is pretty pretty incredible.
2: Uh, I can imagine. So it's eight players, and all the music is done on stage live during the uh, the the show itself, and they're singing and dancing and playing and acting all at the same time. That is uh, that is quite the show.
3: Oh yeah, and there's one there's one song that is a sort of stage combat dance sequence where they're singing and running all over the house. I mean, it's it's pretty nuts. Um, throughout the process, I, I keep feeling like I'm asking the actors to do these ridiculous things because... I am, and it's very difficult, but they're able to do it. They're just like, okay, great, let's go.
2: I cannot wait to see it myself. So what do our diggers need to do to come and see this show?
3: Get up on Ticketmaster and buy some tickets before it sells out. Come on, guys.
2: Yeah, so it's at the Minetta Lane Theater uh, in, uh, in the village, right?
3: Yep, right in the heart of the village. It's actually just a couple blocks away from the Bitter End which we did a press event there um, before we went into tech rehearsals. And that was really cool because The Bitter End is apparently the place that Jerry Garcia played for the first time that he came to New York. So there's a lot of history there. And the owners were really excited to have us there. We're kind of in the heart of all of it. So it's at Mineta Lane and the corner of 6th Avenue. So it's right by IFC Film Center and a lot of great other Sort of art houses there. So
2: if anybody's going to New York City, make sure that you pick up tickets for uh, uh, Red Roses Green Gold at the Minetta, Minetta Lane Theater.
3: Yes, and they're <laughs> available on Ticketmaster or on redrosesgreengold.com. Mm-hmm.
2: So now the show just opened on October 29th, is that right? Correct. And you've already been extended.
3: We have, which is so exciting. So exciting indeed. So we have a... Um, We were on sale through the 17th. Now we're on sale through January 7th. So we have a full holiday schedule. Um, So for anybody that wants to have their majestic holiday New York experience, we're the perfect show to come see if you want to rock out a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah. I can't imagine any of our folks not wanting to do that. Uh, And uh, I'm just going to have to get back to New York here uh, in the next few weeks to, to see the show myself.
3: Great. And um, for those who are coming to town, um, to Madison Square Garden, to see Dead & Co. in November, (laughs) we have have a special performance in between the two Dead & Co. shows on Monday, November 13th. Oh, because you're usually
2: dark on Mondays, right?
3: We are, but we switched that one up so that the people from out of town would be able to get to see us. And we know sometimes people buy tickets for both shows. So we're like, if you want more dead on the day in between come downtown to Minetta Lane. Um, buy tickets for that one. If you guys are in town, buy tickets for that one because we anticipate it selling out. Oh, so get you, them now. Yeah, get you hear now.
2: that, deadheads. Uh, <laughs> November 13th uh, in New York. between, uh, In between, in between the, uh, the Dead & Company shows at Madison Square Garden, uh, you can uh, uh, continue your uh, tie-dyed adventures uh, down at the Minetta Lane Theater. So Exactly. Definitely.
3: And we have shows surrounding the concerts as well. We've got one on Wednesday, the day after. We've got a matinee on Sunday before the Dead & Co. show that evening. So if you just want a whole day of the dead, you got it.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, if uh, obviously, if this is successful, um, this show would go on the road, right?
3: That is the hope. That is the hope. That is the dream. We have no information about that at the mm-hmm, moment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is yet again why I encourage if anybody wants to wait for the show to come to their hometown – don't get on a plane come to new york yeah
2: you never know you never know with these sort of but if things. it comes
3: to your hometown later great you can mm-hmm. see it again
2: mm-hmm. so do you think that do you think you might get picked up and move to uh you know to the uh the great white way
3: well that we're in the baby stages that it's way too soon to tell mm-hmm. um that would be amazing of course. Um, that would that would make me very happy. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, but you so, never know. So it's a I mean, possibility.
2: It just it just depends on success and ticket sales, right?
3: Yeah. And right now we're at the stage where you know the world is our oyster. There's so many possibilities for what mm-hmm. the future holds. Mm-hmm. We don't know what those possibilities are. What are going to end up being? But things are in store i mean so far people are just loving the show they're living for it so
2: well the interest is high and uh, the reviews have been kind so uh, it is definitely a possibility i would assume also we might be able to get uh, an original cast album uh, to hear these songs um, arranged uh, uh, in the way that the show's done
3: yes there have been whispers of of such a thing coming into existence Uh, more info on that as that unravels as well, but would be great because the cast sounds amazing, and I want the entire world to hear my amazing actors' voices singing these songs.
2: Actually, I think if you go on to uh, Red Rose's Green Gold, uh, the Facebook site, there is a video of the cast uh, performing in a small club.
3: Yes, that's uh, that's the bitter end.
2: Yeah, that's the bitter end. Okay, so folks, you can go and check that out. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for your time today and giving us a little preview of Red Roses, Green Gold. Uh, and folks, if uh, if you are in New York City uh, any time uh, between now and certainly January 7th, and it's probably going to be extended beyond that, uh, you have to go and check out this production. If so, please let us know here at the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for uh, being with us today. And uh, again, I cannot wait to go and see the show myself, so i just going to have to figure out a way to get there.
3: Yeah, come on. I know the Bay Area is beautiful, but come back to New York. Come see us.
2: We definitely will. Thanks for your time today, Rachel.
3: Thank you. Thanks so much. It was great being here.
2: Sounds like a great show to catch over the holidays, yes? Once again, we thank Rachel Klein and congratulate her on a successful opening. We will keep you apprised on what's going on with Red Roses Green Gold on our social media feeds and rock talk, so check in with us. Once again, it's Red Roses, Green Gold, directed by Rachel Klein, featuring the songs of Jerry Garcia and Robert Hunter. It's playing at the Minetta, that's M-I-N-E-T-T-A, Theater in Greenwich Village through at least January 7th, 2018. Thanks, everybody. I'm Christian Swain, and this has been Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Thanks for hanging out with us. Keep up the rockin'. Oh, and fare thee well.
1: Pray you will.
2: Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org
1: to learn how you can help. Deeper Digs in Rock, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. All quotes performed by actors unless noted playlists can be found at itunes google play and spotify please purchase these great and important tracks all songs clips and references can be found on our show notes please visit rnrap.com for more information
2: sonic has something delicious for you hey announcer guy that's your cue try the new sonic steak and bacon grilled cheese savory steak mixed with grilled onions topped with crispy bacon and melty american cheese plus creamy mayo and tangy barbecue sauce or try it spicy with zesty cheese sauce and jalapenos well i don't know about you but i'm definitely craving that previously
0: mentioned thing
2: sonic steak and bacon grilled cheese
1: Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.